This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Eli on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinga has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra, find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you listening, subscribing, downloading, liking, all of those things. And we are presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it. If you enjoy it, joined in studio by Connell McCourt. Connell, how are you, buddy? I'm fantastic, mate. Ready for this game against Minnesota. All good. What about you? Big game coming up midweek against Minnesota United on Wednesday. We're going to get a match preview from Ali Trost as Sporting Kansas City had some media availability today. Peter Vermees and Daniel Shallowy spoke to the media. Ali's going to give us a rundown on everything they had to say and some big news coming up for that match against Minnesota United. United, including some names on the injury list that Peter Vermees said there, there's a few guys that are questionable for that game. He didn't want to give those names away during the conference call today, but we can use some deductive reasoning at least on one of those names. But uh, outside of that, uh, we'll get another report. We'll get a, a report and an update from Ali Trost. Looking forward to that game. We're also going to talk with the only one and only Johnny Russell, who had another goal, goal number 30 of his sporting Kansas City career in that 2-0 win over the Chicago Fire. So we look forward to talking to the captain, Johnny Russell, as always. Connor, let's talk about it first, though. Sporting Kansas City 2, Chicago Fire 0. And as we were beginning the broadcast, immediately we started talking about the concerning trend that 8 out of the first 11 home games this year for sporting, they gave up the first goal. Didn't happen this time. Thanks to Bobby Shuttleworth. Ooh, that was a shocker. But for Jose Mauri, he won't complain. He got his first goal as a sporting KC player, and that certainly seemed to change everything in the game. Absolutely, and what you couldn't ask for a better debut, really, could you? He maybe got a little bit fortunate, but sporting deserves it. Like they, We were speaking about it last week. It's kind of been their Achilles heel this year, especially at home, going behind and having to fight their way back, which they've done a commendable job in, in the, last, uh, the last load of times it's happened. But... They came out, they were on the front foot, they put Chicago on the back foot right away. And they were creating chances even before they scored that goal. So more chances were created after it. I thought they were dominant, thoroughly dominant for most of the game. But uh, that really just, it kind of looked like it was going to open the floodgates for a while, especially after the second goal went in. But they ended up, it was a professional job and they ended up getting out with the three points. So all good. Yeah, and the second goal was created by the combination play of Daniel Shallowy and Alan Polito up that left-hand side, even though... They don't get the credit in the end with an assist or a goal because it was saved by Shuttleworth, then knocked home by Johnny Russell. But that run by Daniel Shallowy, how impressive was that? That's what it was. That's what started the whole thing. I mean, even the one-two that he got with Plato was lovely. But that there was nothing on. That was a nothing, like a nothing ball given out to him. He was hugging the touchline almost in his own half. And next thing, that just brilliant turn of pace, breakneck speed. He had the defender running the treacle behind him, and the one-two with. Polito kind of just set up for Johnny. I don't think he'll ever score. You said it's the 30th goal of his sporting career. I don't think he'll ever score an easier one. You know, he, it, it was an easy goal from the standpoint that all he had to do was tap it in. But it's something that is simple, and but I think also maybe goes unnoticed by fans sometimes. 
you have to make that run. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you have to have the – because it, it, it really struck me after the game when he spoke with Ali Trost, Johnny said, I was sure Daniel was going to score there. So it's a lot easier. Anybody that's actually been out on a field and, and had to run 70 yards, how much energy it takes to make that run, even for those guys that are fit and in shape, to think I'm running 70 yards and it's probably pointless. To, to not get it? It's probably pointless. Like, I'm probably not going to get this ball. You can't have that mentality as a guy that's hungry for goals. You have to have this unbelievable thought that this time it's going to fall to me. And Johnny Russell had that, and, and that's why he and Alan Polito were both there that could have tapped that in. And that's what the good players do. Like, you'll notice that even throughout the league, as you'll, you'll watch even, I think Cristiano Ronaldo did a few, uh, a few days ago for, in his first game for Man United. Good players gamble. When that shot's taken, they gamble, they take the run that, mm-hmm. that it will possibly come out. Because even, even good players, sometimes you see when they're not, you know they're not firing on all cylinders, they would give up that run because they might expect the goal. Johnny doesn't. He he's right in form. He's ready for it. He's tenacious. He busts a gut to get in there before any of the Chicago defence. And luckily enough for him, it ricochets back to him. You make your own luck in this game, and Johnny certainly has paid off at the weekend. And so, Sporting Kansas City. Then, as you said, it looked like it was just going to be one of those games where they ran off and hid from uh, Chicago in this game four nil, something like that. The way it was coming in the first half, but then once those. Chances didn't really come through, and they did have some chances early in the second half as well. Chicago kind of grew into the mm-hmm. game a little bit. They hit the woodwork a couple of times in the second half. They had a couple of opportunities. Were you ever concerned about their ability to come back into the game? Well, they hit the bar in the post a few times. Not always. Look, you can't get much closer. But I was actually impressed by how Sporting defended those. There was one to remember. I think it was Hebers in the middle completely unmarked and he tries to take mm-hmm. it on the half volley and it hits the bar mm-hmm. but other than that everything else was from outside the box yeah. Sporting's defense done really well and when they were approaching and getting around and around the area they were so compact they were so solid in there there was no real way through there wasn't a chance for it like what Daniel and uh, Alan Polito did in the first half that one to give and go there was no space for it there was no space in behind so all the shots that were being taken, I think Sporting were happy enough to just let them shoot from outside the box because, it's going, as we know, it's going to have to be pretty good to beat Tim Melia from that far. And I think the rest of the defence are like, right, fair enough, you want to come take us on? There's eight of us standing here. If not, <laughs> yeah, have your shot from outside the box. I'm sure Timmy's got it covered. And it, it yeah. hits the bar, but that can be a bit... Yeah. I mean, you have to get it under the bar. That's, right. It doesn't count, you know. So <laughs> I, I don't think Sporting were ever honestly worried. There was a couple of chances, as I said, the one in the middle where he's standing on his own, that's a bit worrying, but... Apart from that, I think they were happy enough. What do you make of the two games we've seen so far of Jose Mauri? The first game, I thought he was kind of threw into it a bit. I don't, he didn't look like he was up to speed with everything going on around him. Look, because in the sporting midfield, when you're playing that four-three-three, especially, you have to have legs. You have to be able to run in there. You have to be able to get around. And that's where we've seen Gianluca Busio kind of come into his own because he has energy to burn. He can get around everywhere. Covers so, so much ground. Covers so much. Yeah. And when that was kind of expected off Maori, I think it was just a bit too... I mean, how, how many game, how many training sessions that he had? And he's clearly not match maybe? fit for 90 minutes yet because they've subbed him out after, what, 67 right. and just 70 given, minutes, that's I think. It, giving yeah. him a bit of a leg. At the first game, I thought he was a bit off a of pace. The, second, the last game there, I thought he looked better. He looked like he was having a bit more of a rapport with his teammates around him and stuff. Like They looked like they were a bit more on the same wavelength. So... Hopefully that's going to lead to good things, especially the longer we have Elia back there. Yeah, and Peter Vermees has basically said as much that they'd love to have more of an acclimation period for Maori 
they just don't have the luxury of time right, right now because of the situations that they've had. Now, Roger Espinosa comes back from the red card suspension in this one. That gives you one more piece of depth in the midfield. And Nicholas Isimat-Narin has come off the injury report. Now, he was not listed in the game day roster. They chose to just go with 19 players, mm-hmm. not not the 20 players on that roster on uh, on the weekend against Chicago. So, don't know how close we are to seeing Mirin back in a game or how that affects the rotation right now. Peter Vermees is getting a lot of good results with, uh, with, with Fontas and Elie in the back, but we've also seen Marine play really well mm-hmm. when he's coming to game. So that's going to be an interesting thing to, uh, to take a look at going forward. But yeah, I think, I think Maori, maybe now if you have Roger back, that gives you a, an ability to rotate in a little bit more and not put so much on his plate uh, while he's still kind of trying to get his feet on the ground. But see, even with the Isimat Marin, that's it. With him coming back, obviously you don't want to rush him back because he, he obviously he's had a problem with his hamstring. He's had a few different injuries since he's been here. He just it's a it's a great problem to have to say, oh well, we have too many good players in this position. <laughs> you know, Elia Fonta because they obviously have a great rapport now. Elia and Fontas, they know what the other one is kind of going to do, where they're going to be, the language and stuff. Obviously, they're they're very connected. But with him coming in. It just gives you so much more availability. Do you move Elia back to the midfield to give someone else a rest? Do you play three at the back, God forbid, with two wing backs? With, because you've got two good ball players there, and Isi Matt is just a machine. So it just gives you a lot more depth, a lot more energy, not just for the defense, but for the midfield as well, for Elia stepping up there as well. So it, good problems to have, I would say. Every every manager in the league would like to have a problem like that. No doubt about it. Um, and and it's, uh, it's a big win for Sporting Kansas City. Put them back in second place for now in the Western Conference. Of course, Colorado with a couple of games in hand. So we'll see where this thing shakes out. But for Sporting, the next game after this is a home game against Seattle. So this game a big one. Uh, on Wednesday night against uh, Minnesota going to be a big one as well to try to put yourself in a position where that game against Seattle could literally literally be for first place in the Western Conference. We're going to talk about that. We're going to have a report from Ali Trost uh, coming up in advance of this match day against Minnesota United on Wednesday night. And plus, uh, we'll talk with Johnny Russell, the captain of Sporting Kansas City, as we continue. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And a man who was toasting the crowd with a Michelob Ultra after a big win over the weekend against the Chicago Fire is joining us on the show now, Johnny Russell. Got his 30th goal in an SKC shirt over the weekend. Johnny, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing fine, and and I'm curious what you think when when you hear those words, Johnny Russell, thirty goals in a Sporting Kansas City shirt. I mean, it's it's nice. I feel there should be more. Obviously, I was, um, you know, I'm always my biggest my own biggest critic, and I I feel there should definitely be more there. But you know, I'm I'm happy with the, the goals that I have, the you know the assists that I have as well. So it's um, it was a good way to mark a hundred. That's that's for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned marking a hundred. I maybe I should have started with that. One hundred games as a Sporting yeah. Kansas City player. Does that that one does that one mean even more to you than the thirty goals, or, or where does that rank? Oh, no, that's a, that's a good one. It's always nice to hit you know milestones at at clubs and you know especially especially games. I think um, 
overall in my career I'll be closing in on, on 500 soon as well so <laughs> I'm uh, no, I'm, I'm proud of that that I've obviously had that longevity and touch wood I'm, I'll continue to do that does it does it feel like you've been playing the game at a professional level for that long? And does it feel like you've been in Kansas City for that long? No, that, to be fair, the the time that I've been here is kind of a flu in. Um, but then when I made, first made my debut, that feels like a, a lifetime ago. Um, that was 15 years ago now. Um, so no, it's uh, like I said, I'm I'm happy and you know I take pride in. Like how long I've I've played and to the level that I've played at as well. He's fifteen years. Wow, that's that takes you back to the Dundee United days. Then Johnny, do you still kind of keep up and try and watch out for what they do at the weekend? I do. I, I always try and keep up with all my old teams and all my my mates that are playing at different teams as well. So I'm busy that way. Where I, I always keep in contact with people and keep up to date with how they're doing and stuff like that. So it's um, no, it's. I was there for, for so long. I was there um, from about 13 to I was 23. So, no, I spent a, spent a long time there. Um, and I, I loved it there. I said before that I owe them so much for giving me the opportunity. And, you know, I've, I've been able to do some great things and see some great places um, because of that. Good stuff. I mean, and then after Derby, obviously coming over here, you've been in KC quite a while now. With... Uh what you went through when you first came over here, that's kind of what uh, Jose Maori, who Nate and I were just speaking of in the last uh, the last segment there, he's kind of going through a similar thing at the minute. Do you remember what it was like when you first got here, sort of what it was tough to acclimate to and stuff? Um, it was cold when I first got here. <laughs> uh, I flew in in beginning of February. I flew in because um, it was just a, a delay on whether it would be in the June or you know, if it would have been, you know, in that sort of off-season. Um, but I was only in KC for a day, um, and then I had to fly to Arizona, so that was a bit nicer weather. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, I'm glad that I could get in in pre-season. Um, I think that definitely helped me. Uh, Jose's done really well so far to to get up to speed. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's not fully fit yet, um, but I'm I'm sure once we get him fully fit, you'll see more of the quality that he's shown in sort of the brief time that he has been here. We're visiting with Johnny Russell, and, you know, Johnny, I, w- I want to talk to you about this year's team a little bit because we, we always met, we always joke when we're in the in, in the booth, um, and, and our producer tells us, say, Ali's going to have an interview with Johnny Russell coming up. We always know, oh, man, I'm going to want to listen to this. <laughs> you, you, because you, you just, you, you're honest. You, there's, there's a candor, candor. Yeah, to the way you speak about things, win or lose. We, we, we feel like we're going to get a real assessment for what you thought of the game and what the team maybe mentality is. And so overall this year, you guys, you're in second place. It's all there for you, you know, a chance to maybe even finish in the top of the West and, and win trophies this year and all of that. Uh, just I, before I even lead you with anything, just how do you feel about this team? After 15 years, all the different teams you've been on, this group of guys, what you're capable of, maybe what you like about the team or whatever. What what uh, what are your thoughts on this year's uh, this year's group? Um, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, obviously, going into every year, you're excited about your team. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like this year we've got we've got everything. We've matched the you know we've had quality at times or. We've had the right mentality and attitude at times, but I just don't feel we've 
ever quite sort of put them together as frequent as we have this year. I think you just look at the... Although you don't want to go behind in games, no one does, but the amount of times that we've done it and come back from that um, to get wins or get points, it's that just shows the mindset of the team. Like I said, you don't want to be in that position, but the fact that when you do find yourself like that, we've got the mentality to to believe that we can go toe-to-toe with anyone in this league. And I think that's been the, the main thing. We, we've stayed humble about... We know we're a good team. We know what we're capable of um, when we're at our best. Um, and it's not, a, it's not an, an arrogant thing. It's just we've got so much confidence in each other um, and ourselves uh, and the staff as well. And I think as a collective this year, we've just been... I don't know, something just seems to have clicked and we're matching the the quality. We've just shown all sides of our game on a on a frequent basis. So that's you know, that's been the most pleasing thing and you know, especially coming into this stage of the season, uh having shown that we've had that mentality throughout the year then it's gonna be massive for us in the last you know, last sort of stretch of games. Do you ever just yourself, Johnny, like it Obviously, when you sit down at the start of the year and work out your goals and stuff for the season, what you want to get out of this season and stuff, does uh, the supporter shield race ever come into it for you, or is it all just about topping the West and going to the playoffs and trying to go on and win MLS Cup? Is it obviously because in different leagues you've played in, it's all about where you are at the end of the year, the end of the league? Yeah. Do you ever does the supporter shield ever come into your thinking, or is it all about let's just go and win the big prize, which obviously is MLS Cup? No, obviously the main goal is to win MLS Cup. That's every team's goal at the start of the year. But we set out at the beginning of the year um, when we talk about winning the Supporters' Shield, about winning, you know, every tournament we're in. Um, we don't go about our business thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're not going to do this. We set out at the start of every year. It's always been the same since I've been here. We set out to win. We know how difficult that is. Um, but I don't know, like a... I've always been used to, obviously, the top team winning it, so it's a bit different coming here and the team with the most points overall winning the Supporters' Shield, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really count towards um, the end season. It's all about the playoffs here, so, I mean, that's that's different, but, no, I think teams who win the Supporters' Shield should take great pride because it's, uh, you know, it's a consistent thing throughout the year. You've been, you've been the best team. Um, and then, obviously... You know that gets tested in the playoffs, but I think the teams who do win the supporter shield deserve you know a huge amount of credit as well for sustaining you know that sort of ability and getting the the points and what is a, a difficult league to to get points in at times, um, especially on the road. We're visiting with Johnny Russell and Johnny. You brought up the trend of of falling behind in games, and obviously that didn't happen this game against Chicago, which is a great thing. But obviously it's been a, a discussion point for a lot of the year. And I just, part of me just wonders if sometimes it's not just a little bit of a fluke. You know, it, we're talking about a stretch of, of only eight games or something like that. Do we sometimes make too much of a trend like that and try to draw all of these conclusions? Or do you guys feel like there really is something that's led to that this year that, uh, that, that you're fixing? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you ask any of us, then, you know, we feel that we've been in those positions because of us. It's not because I can't think of many times that a team's, you know, broke us down or dismantled us. It's always because we've made a mistake or a couple of mistakes leading up to a goal. Um, 
and that's it. That's obviously the most frustrating part. We, although it's amazing that we can continue to come from behind, um, we shouldn't really be in those positions to begin with. Uh, we're we're causing it to ourselves, and then we're making it a lot harder for ourselves to come back in in games. And you know, you've seen recently um, some of the games at home where we haven't been able to to get back in and get that winning goal. So, you know, that's that frustrates us because obviously, like we just spoke about, we set out to win the Supporter Shield and, and be as high as possible as we can in the league. And, you know, we should be in a, a lot better position than we are right now. Um, and that's just how it is. The, uh, tomorrow night, you have a game against Minnesota. Obviously, they're traveling down here. A few weeks ago, you played them. It was a bit of a bad-tempered affair up there, uh, obviously having to play for so long without uh, Remy Volter. The, uh, but even before that happened, there was tackles. So it was a bit of a chippy game before that even happened. Do you expect a similar sort of thing tomorrow night? Because I know it's been given a bit of a moniker of the friendliest rivalry in sports, but anybody who watched that last game will tell you it was anything but. No, the, the last few of of um, there's a bit of bite that's been been creeping into them. Um, you know that that one was uh, the last one was uh, not celebrating. Obviously, getting a point because you know we would never do that. But I think we just uh, we had the battle for you know a large period of that game, a down a man, probably seventy minutes of the game. So to show the the effort um, and fight for each other that was. That was pleasing. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a red card anyway. Uh, after still seeing it back, don't think it's a red card. And if you're given a red card for that, you have to give a red card for the one on Allen before that, which is mm-hmm. which is worse for me. Um, but no, it's like you said. There's anyone who's watched the last couple of games, you know, against them, then you know there's a there's a bit of fire in it. Um, you know, they've got some great players. Um, so it's, it's always exciting games against them. Um, obviously, we got the sort of positive result away away from home, so we'll be looking to take you know the, the full points here as well. Uh, Johnny, before we let you go, I would be remiss. It sounds like the, the wee man might have been in the background, as you call He's him there. Carnage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are things going on the family front in that regard? He's he's good. He's uh, uh he's he's getting a lot more sort of settled into. Nice personality, and he's he's, uh, he's. I think he's going to be a, a funny kid. Some of the stuff he does, he's he's running about now because obviously I can't give him full attention right now, throwing stuff and creating a bit of a mischief. So <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go back and see what what he's doing. Has, he, for his mom. has he got his first Celtic jersey yet? Then, or is that in the not mail not yet, not yet. So. <laughs> That's a, that's a touchy subject in this house. Oh, uh, the wife's family are all Rangers, so oh, no. she's, uh, she doesn't she doesn't want it. But it's uh, we'll, be, we'll be going to Parkhead when we go home. Good so. man, good so, man. Hopefully she doesn't hear us. Yeah, I was going to say. So what if what if the in laws like you know show up with a Rangers kit for the little man? I mean, is that even do you throw it straight out, or do you have to try to keep some sort of peace in the house so you let it happen? Like, could you ever let your son be seen in a in a Rangers outfit? No, nah, there's, there's no peace if that happens. <laughs> that's what I draw the line. It'll be a waste of money if they bring something like that into the house. Um, <laughs> nah, he's, 
he can do he can do anything he wants in this this world, but that's that's one thing that he won't be doing supporting Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love. I was actually going to ask you, like, what's one personality characteristic that reminds you of yourself? Like, like, yeah, that's my son. Is it the sense of humor you mentioned in the in the mischief, or is there anything else? I think it's um, I think it's definitely the the mischief. Um, he's got a. He's got a little bit of a temper on him as well, which is <laughs> probably coming from me. Um, he's, I think he's about to fight me right now. He wants something, but uh, yep. two seconds for Sounds like he wants um, mom. <laughs> I know. Uh, there, it's uh, it's Blake's gymnastics night, so ah, I have to you know. split up the time between his swimming lessons and gymnastics and take turns and swap about, so we get to see you know the the both of them doing doing their thing. So now he's. Uh, He's a handful, uh, the two of them are, but you know, that's, I'm glad that they're sort of energetic and got good wee personalities. So. Wouldn't have it any other way, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, well, he, sound, he sounds a lot like my son, who's 22 months old now, our youngest, and he is... If he's not getting the attention he wants, he just starts turning furniture over in the house, like literally picking it up <laughs> yeah. and dumping it over, and then he looks over it and he goes... Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> he started that. That is actually one thing he started. Um, but oh no! And yeah, uh, if, he, if he walks into something, he's he sort of plays on it a little bit. Um, so flops down. Uh, what a hypochondriac here! Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? He made his debut on the show today, and so that's kind of a big deal for us. We're, we'll commemorate <laughs> this. And uh, hey, congratulations on your 100 appearances and your 30 goals, Johnny and. Thanks so much for the time. Good luck tomorrow night against uh, Minnesota. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Good talking to you guys. All right. There is Johnny Russell. He is the man, the captain for Sporting Kansas City. We're going to get a match preview from Ali Trost right after this on the Sporting Kansas City show. We're going to get a match preview right after this from Ali Trost for this game tomorrow night against Minnesota United on the Sporting Kansas City show presented by Michelob Ultra. Hello and welcome back to the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. I'm Allie Trost here with a training report ahead of tomorrow night's game at home against sixth place in the West, Minnesota United. Both teams are coming off of short rest and dealing with some key injuries, but Sporting will have the advantage of not having to travel midweek. And today, manager Peter Vermees and forward Daniel Shallowy both address the media after training. So let's get into what you need to know from today's media availability, starting with injuries. Vermees had originally said today that they're dealing with a lot of guys who are questionable, but according to the official report in the game notes that came out this afternoon, forward Alan Polito is the only player listed as questionable, while Jalen Lindsay and Felipe Hernandez are both out. Polito, of course, left the game against Chicago Saturday early with a knee injury, and so we will see what his status is for tomorrow night, but right now listed as questionable. Another player to have your eye on who was not discussed today is center back Nicholas Isimat Marine. EC re-injured his hamstring about a month ago at Colorado and has been back in full training with the team since last week. Vermees said ahead of the game against Chicago on Saturday that EC would be available for selection but was not on the bench or in the injury report. So he'll be one to look out for tomorrow as he works his way back into the lineup. Now, while Sporting in Minnesota have earned themselves the off-field reputation of having the, quote, 
nicest rivalry in sports, unquote. On the field, things have been heating up in recent matches. Of course, there's the 3 nothing Western Conference semifinal loss Sporting suffered last year in the playoffs at home. And then there's the last time these teams played each other a month ago in Minnesota, where Sporting had to battle out a nil-nil draw after going down a man early in the game when Remy Voltaire picked up a red card about 20 minutes in. Despite this, Vermees had mostly pleasant things to say about that recent game and this Minnesota team. Actually, I thought the last game we played against them actually was a pretty good game. Uh, um, just had a disagreement with uh, one very big action in the game and then probably a second one, but uh, is what it is. But I, I think it's always a good game between us. They're a very good team. Um, we compete always together really well. Um, they, they have a really good team. They have a, a really good staff. They, those guys do a great job with their team. So it it's always winds up being a, 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 good, a good game. And I, I don't expect anything less than this one. Daniel Shallowy also weighed in, commenting on the significance of Saturday's win over Chicago and how he thinks Minnesota will come into this game after a tough one nothing loss to Seattle over the weekend. You know, it's... Uh... It's, it was very important for us to get back to the winning ways um, overall, but mostly at home. Uh, I think we all talked about it, that it's it's always very important to to have teams be scared when they come and visit us. And uh, in, we haven't won in a, in, in a couple games, and uh, I think teams could feel that. And now this was a, a big win for us. But this game's going to be very important. We watched the game, obviously, uh, at what Minnesota played with Seattle. I, I feel like they're going to be uh, angry that they couldn't get a, get a point on the road. Plus, they're going to think about uh, the game we played against them uh, away. So I think they're going to come with full power. They won the three points, and obviously we'll have to be ready and uh, play our game. I think we are the better team, but we'll have to show it tomorrow and um, do the same thing what we did against Chicago, just a little bit more than six minutes. So uh, hold on to the, the 90 minutes so the fans uh, don't start to panic that. As for Sporting's focus ahead of tomorrow's game, Vermees said it's been all about rest and recovery with the short turnaround while Shallowy shared some of what the team's been working through on the field. Um, well, we talked about... Um, that we, you know, we play well. We do uh, great things on the field, and uh, we have we have very good things overall, defensively and attackingly too. But there's also mistakes what you make, and uh, what are not crucial mistakes, but it can be when the, when we get to the playoff times, and you know, small plays can decide uh, your season. So we just kind of started to get into that habit of uh, learning from those mistakes and uh, and pu- and fixing them so just perf- trying to make our, our game perfect and uh, that's going to be very important because these games are going to get closer and closer everybody want to get a spot in the playoffs and better spots so we'll have to be ready for them Getting in good habits will certainly be important for sporting during this last stretch before the playoffs. And one player whose good habits have yielded excellent things for sporting on the field is goalkeeper Tim Melia. Today, I asked Peter Vermees about Melia's postgame comments Saturday, where he credited sporting system for helping him be successful here. And here's what Vermees had to say. I think Tim's being really kind. I think first and foremost, Tim's a, an excellent goalkeeper. So those those qualities would trans, translate to any team in this league. Um, he's also an incredible 
uh, teammate. He, he's always thinking about the team, uh, team first. He wants to win. Um, again, those qualities, they translate to any team in, in, any team in this league. Um, but, you know, his qualities of being good with the ball, seeing the game, um, you know, he's a, he's a, the fact that we play and we want to build with the ball, you know, you got to have a goalkeeper that can that can do that and can handle handle that part of the game. That's not an easy part when you don't play out on the field quite a bit, but you're on the ball a lot and you have to make good decisions with that ball. And you know, he has uh, he has definitely grown and he continues to get better all the time. And he's at a really high level already. So, uh, you know, th- it's really his qualities that lend itself to to helping us. And and by the way, if if he wasn't good with his feet, you know, we couldn't build the way that we do. We couldn't play with the ball. We couldn't, you know, uh, be a possession team like we are because it would be really difficult if you can't use your goalkeeper and the fact that we can so he's a big big part of that Tamelia always avoiding talking about himself but for me he's not shying away from giving him a lot of compliments and and really just sharing how what Mealy is able to do his skill sets really allow sporting to play the way they want to so if anything it's kind of vice versa Mealy is talking about how sporting system allows him to find success well for me is saying hey we're able to find success and play the way we like to play build out of the back possess the ball because we have the option of passing it back to Tim so it kind of goes both ways but another player who deserves some hype for a lot of reasons is Daniel Shallowy who recently spent time away with the Hungarian national team for the World Cup qualifiers earlier this month and today Shallowy shared what that experience was like and what kind of adjustment it was for him as far as his preparation in training and on game days was concerned. Obviously, it's a great feeling to make your uh, debut with the national team. It's uh, it's special. Everybody dreams about these moments, and you know, a little bit mixed feelings because uh, we didn't get the the results we wanted. But uh, but overall, I look back at it as a, as a positive experience because of uh, you know you work really hard to get to the national team, and when you make your debut, it's a, it's a great moment, especially in front of my family. That was a good time. Well, it was really, since it was, well, I've been there one time, but this time I actually played, uh, it was really just adjusting, just uh, trying to get in the routine of, of things and uh, how it works and, and you know, just with, with trainings and game day routines. So it was really more focused on that part um, than, than learning from the players. Shallowy also talked about his national team debut in the second half for Hungary's game versus England in match one in front of a crowd of over 60,000 people and what it was like sharing that field with some of the world's best soccer players. Yeah, I was a little, you know, overwhelmed like the first time I got there because you didn't know what to expect. We were playing in front of uh, 70,000 people against England so you're you're surprised you don't know what to really expect so I had uh, lots of emotions in my head you know but overall excitement honestly I thought uh, it would be a like you don't really hear it once you step on the field it's weird like uh, everything like shuts off around you so you feel that you play in front of a lot of people, but the noise, the background noise itself is not new to me. I feel like I play in a league where there's lots of full stadiums and uh, you you get used to the, the, the people in the stands. And uh, it's, it's just weird because while I was warming up and I was on the bench, everything seemed so loud. And uh, once I stepped on the field, 
it's completely like silent and you're just focusing on the on the game it's it's a weird feeling to be honest you watch these guys and uh, at the euros and just week weekly pretty much just how they do with their clubs and uh it's amazing to play against them you know it's um it goes by so fast you're really standing on the field and uh looking in the eyes with Kyle Walker and you're like what what is happening really so it's honestly i feel like overall every kid who starts playing soccer dreams about moments to play against players like that and once you're on the field it's uh it's kind of a shocking moment but um i was very focused on doing well and i think uh i think i did uh got a couple of good touches uh had my chances i think um i honestly did more than i expected against uh, one of the best players in the world so it's a good sign for me i, I think um made me very happy that I could be on the field with these uh, quality players. Surely there will only be more and more experiences like that to come as Shallowy continues to grow as a player, and especially if he continues having the success that he's had this year, which could lead him to being called in again for the upcoming qualifiers in October and November. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll lastly... With the playoffs quickly approaching, which is hard to believe, Shallowy talked about why he thinks sporting is currently in a good position and what the team will be working to perfect during this final stretch ahead of the 2021 postseason. It's going to be crucial for us to get the best uh, seed possible uh, going into the playoffs because uh, it matters a lot. But at the same time, um, this is the year I think that shows how ready we are for uh, the playoffs in a way because we're doing very well on the road as uh, as well. Uh, so this year, I think we we can be ready for anything when the playoffs come. Um, but obviously, there's still so much time uh, and so many games until. So it's really just tough in this league. In with one game, your season can end, and it you can also be a hero. Like it's it's just crazy to be honest. So. Uh, there's not much you can you can really add to your game. It's more like um, fixing a couple of things, and uh, you know we play uh, very well, like keeping the ball possession wise. But you still make mistakes, uh, and some of the movements you do, uh, you can get into a routine when some things are working. So you get lazy with it, and then you can get uh, surprised by another team who comes flying at you uh, early on the game. So. You know, just staying uh, on top of your game and everybody focused and doing uh, doing what makes us a great team, very 100% focused and uh, cleaning up our touches, not giving anything away and controlling the game for 90 minutes because we can kill teams uh, the way we keep the ball. I think everybody gets mentally and physically tired as well. And we're back to wrap things up on the Sport in Kansas City show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our thanks to Ali Trost. A little match preview with some sound from Peter Vermees and Daniel Shallowy as we get ready for Sporting KC versus Minnesota United, what was called the nicest rivalry in sports. And maybe, Connell, it'll still continue to be called that, but more from an ironic standpoint going forward um, and I actually kind of get a kick out of that if it all of a sudden becomes this really mean-spirited hateful <laughs> rivalry and it was like oh it's the nicest rivalry in sports that actually could be a fun name for it mm-hmm. because it doesn't quite seem so nice anymore it doesn't no especially as you heard from Johnny there the 
there's a bit of fire in the belly from the players going into he was still <laughs> adamant that it wasn't a red card on Remy Volter. So you can see that that stuff's obviously still being spoken about in the dressing room and stuff. Obviously, you want to move on to the next game, but there's still something mm-hmm. there. You know, there's a bit between the teeth, something for them to go for. And I personally don't think Minnesota are, are as strong as they have been in recent years. They do have good players, um, but it's just they haven't really been able to put a run together. Um, it didn't start great for them, and they just haven't really kicked on since. But that game, especially, look, you're down to 10 men. It galvanizes the group and stuff, but you think they still should be putting sporting away when you have a man advantage for such a long time. But fair play to sporting. They dug in, they dug deep, and they gave as good as they got on the fighting uh, on that front. Like So they fought for every ball, and I expect it to be much of the same tomorrow night. Well, a couple of the things that uh, we can look forward to in this game. We heard Peter Vermees and Ali's report talk about all of the different injuries that the team all of a sudden are dealing with again. And it it seems to be, unfortunately, for Sporting Kansas City, one of those one-step-forward-one-step-back type of situations where it looked like they were starting to get some bodies back. And all of a sudden, Peter says, there's a whole bunch of guys that are questionable for this game. Now, the only person that's officially listed as questionable on the injury report is Alan Polito with a knee injury. Now, we know he suffered a knee injury at the end of last season. that kept him out of some time. seems like he's had to get some treatment on that knee a couple of different times through the course of the season when we've watched the games. So we'll see if Alan Polito can go or not in this game. Who the rest of those players are that are questionable, I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there was it was a contact injury, though, was it? Because he came off for Kyrie late in the game against Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there was a collision so it's, uh, as it's, much was there? Well, it's hard to tell because is it is it one of those things where obviously it wasn't like he suffered some impact injury that immediately you knew he's down and he's got to be subbed out mm-hmm. of the game. He limped around for a while, and then all of a sudden he basically was like, yeah, I, I've got to come out of the game. Did that start? Did that pain start because of a collision, or did it start just to develop over the course of the game? I don't know, but I thought you could really tell – that he wasn't right mm-hmm. at the end of the game because usually his hold-up play is so good, and they really needed some hold-up play at that point. And he lost the ball with just a, a, a kind of a, I don't know, weaker first touch two or three different times before they finally subbed him out of the game. Right, right. And he was down for a bit. I, I just seem to remember just a flash image in my head of him down, pulling his socks down. Uh, obviously, something must have been wrong that he was feeling, but who knows? It could have even... He couldn't have been 100% at the start of the game and just tried to give it a go anyway. And then at that point of the game was just the time where he had to come out. So hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully it's not anything we have to worry about. Luckily, there's no more uh, international breaks for a while. Not that he, was, he wasn't even involved in the last one. So a bit of extra respite, a bit of extra time to give himself, you know, because all that traveling and stuff must really take a toll on you. So thankfully he's back now. And if he's not 100% fit to go, hopefully he'll be 100% fit to go for Seattle. Yeah, and there's been some injuries for Minnesota United through the course of the season as well. These teams played not that long ago in late August and you know, the game we just talked about with Johnny Russell and, and that we've been talking about as well. And their biggest star, Emmanuel Bebelo Reynoso, has not played since that game, being told that uh, he should be ready to go for this one. Now, they got a couple of guys, Chase Gasper and Osvaldo Alonso, who will be suspended for this game and then uh, listed as out on their injury report. Juan Agadello, Hassani Dotson, Nico Hansen, and Justin McMaster. Robin Ludd is listed as questionable. Right. If I he, think he's expected to yeah, play. Yeah, and they're expecting him to play as well. So they get Reynoso and Ludd back. That's a big That's a big boost for that Minnesota United team. Yeah, it's a completely different looking team, like isn't it really? Those guys, Reynoso, he makes them tick. 
and Lod is always good for a goal and stuff. So it'll be tough. It changes the dynamic a, a little. Like, but I don't think Sporting will be changing their how they play or how they were going to approach this game from beforehand. Now finding out those two are fit, even with the two that they'll be like Ozzy Alonso and Chad Gasper, they're experienced individuals that've been around a time. They're good players for if you are in a place like this and you're trying to hold on and you just need someone a bit of an older head to keep the ball ticking over, keeping it keeping it going, trying to keep the pressure on and hopefully get out of here with something. So it's a good sign that they'll not be involved for sporting, but I can't really see sporting changing their approach much. It's just going to be more of the same. Come out, hopefully, the way they came out against Chicago and get another three points. Yeah, and if, if Alan Polito's not able to go, it'll be a little bit of a bummer as well because it's a reminder of what happened in the playoffs last year when oh, sporting yeah. played Minnesota United and Polito was, was out because of that knee injury and, You'll always wonder, you know, if what could have been. Yeah, what could have been in that game. So we'll see uh, if he plays, and if not, Sporting Kansas City. Kyrie Shelton, time to step up again, and he's done that many, many times for Sporting Kansas City. Another one of the storylines in this game for me, Connell, is we talk about the nicest rivalry in sports. Adrian Heath, after the game last time around, had some comments about protecting star players in the league. He felt like Reynoso was getting fouled on a consistent basis. Now, there were only three fouls called. He only uh, technically suffered three fouls in the game against Sporting Kansas City last time around. And I think the Sporting KC side of things would have been like, well, wait a second, you're talking about targeting star players. What about the horse-collar tackle that happened to Sporting Kansas City's designated player earlier in the game? And so those kind of comments can, can boil up a little bit. But I'll be honest with you, if I'm standing on the outside, I look at it and I say, I hope Sporting Kansas City you know, make sure that Reynoso knows that he's going to feel some pressure on a consistent basis in the game. I'm not saying you go out and try to foul him all the time, but you want to play physically yeah, against a guy like that, right? That's 100%. And that's, I think sporting are good at that. That's where you always, it's good to have players like Johnny and it's good to have players like Roger who can set the tone early like that. It's sometimes not every club has that. Like the, you don't have that kind of enforcer going about laying down mm-hmm. the law and then expecting it. Not only does he do that himself, he raises the game of everyone else around him because it's almost, well, Roger's flying in here. I need to be looking like I'm flying. You know, it's sort of... Mm-hmm. So that rubs off on players as well. But I always get a bit, not annoyed, but just kind of perplexed a bit when you hear like comments like that from Adrian Heath because is he going to try and... I mean, his players, Debassi and Boxall, Gasper... They don't. They don't put in hard tackles. They don't. You know. <laughs> I mean, you're setting yourself up for a fall. What happens the next time Ozzy Alonso goes in and does someone? Mm-hmm. You can't really be coming out saying, "Oh well, sorry that he wasn't protecting the other players there." So I just think it's like my coaches are going to be selfish. This is a results based business, so you have to take the pressure and the consideration and all that. They're coming off. He's probably coming off a, a draw there that everyone kind of knows that he should have won. So it's easy to just pass the blame off onto. Oh yeah, well this should have been called and this should have mm-hmm. been called. But look. It's a tough game. It's people are going to be flying into tackles, especially when it's a rivalry game and three points that are really sought after at the minute. They'll be hard to come by, so I expect the tackles to be flying in again. And I wonder what Adrian Heath will have to say after the game this time. Well, Minnesota United have played a lot of low-scoring affairs this year. They are second to last in the Western Conference in goals scored, and second to last in the Western Conference in goals conceded. So, and it was a nil-nil draw when these two teams played each other uh, up in Minnesota a few weeks ago. So. We expecting another low scoring one in this one, and are we expecting Sporting KC to score the first time like they did this past weekend? I think it's the key is, and I hate to, to say this because look, there's going to be exceptions to the rule, but I think the way Sporting play at home and the way other teams come here to play, I think Sporting almost kind of need to score the first goal because 
scoring that first goal makes the other teams come out. They have mm-hmm. to come out. They're going to have to come after it. The And as you said, they're good at at the back. So if they do get the first goal, they will be happy enough to just sit in and they'll absorb all the pressure. They've came here and done it before. Came here to soak up all the pressure and try and hit us on the break. But even it was a 1-0 against up at Seattle the last time they were at Seattle's a handy outfit as well. So they're decent at the back, obviously. I think it's kind of... Not that it's panic stations if they do concede the first goal because we know Sporting are resilient. We've seen what they can do this year. But for it to be a an easier game on Sporting, I think it's imperative almost to score the first goal and force the other team to come out and try and come at you. Well, that's uh, that's going to be one of the things we watch for in this game on Wednesday night. Again, 7.30 kickoff on Bally Sports Kansas City and on Sports Radio 810 WHB pregame on television at 7 o'clock and the game coverage at 7.30. That's going to do it for us. Our thanks to Ali Trost for the match preview and for Johnny Russell for joining us and Connell McCourt here as well. We will see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra.